This is the Bob McCown Podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Richard Deitch in today. John Shannon here. Morning, Richard. How are you? Morning, uh, John. John, you're uh, you're far away from me, right? Western Canada. I'm in lovely Edmonton today. Yeah, I still I I I have a few TV games I have to do this week. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights and the Edmonton Oilers, uh, which should be a good matchup. Now a week ago it was going to be hell on ice, but uh, the Edmonton Oilers and have been able to put together a five nothing victory in Washington, an eight two victory versus Anaheim, and. Uh, there's a much more relieved feeling in Edmonton about their hockey club today than there was uh, five or six days ago. So, it, and and Vegas is coming in after losing in overtime last night in Calgary. So it it should be a it's a a a, um, a rematch of a playoff series last year, and there's lots of anticipation for it here. It's interesting. Um... You know, you make a coaching change, and what you hope is obviously that it changes the fortunes of your team. It doesn't always work that way, you know. But in this case, they've gotten the short-term change that they need. That it's it's always interesting to me, um, regardless of sport, to watch what happens. You know, in those like first three to five games when you make a coaching change, and it looks like at least in Edmonton, it's it's worked. It's still a long season, obviously, et cetera, et cetera. But um, that's always an indication because like, I feel like I'm, I'm imagine you agree with me organization makes a coaching change. It's kind of usually one of the last moves that a front office can make. You can't fire all the players. So that a lot of times that's your last card to play. And it is a classic case of just maybe a new voice, even saying the same things, um, exactly. but a new voice saying the same things can, uh, can, can change fortunes. Minnesota fired their coach yesterday, oh, that Richard was- Dean Evison. Uh, one of the other aspects of this is that um, the Western Conference is not near as competitive as where the Maple Leafs play and yeah. the Rangers play. And so there's a real belief if your team even is 5-12, and 12, as Minnesota, I think, is, that if you can turn it around quickly, you still have a chance for a playoff spot. If you're 5-12 and 12 in the Eastern Conference, you might as well start thinking about next year's draft. Do you subscribe to in the NHL Thanksgiving? You know what your team is, or the first of the year? Uh, I, I'm I'm kind of in the middle. Um, the 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 American Thanksgiving date was probably much more accurate when the NHL st- season started in the first week in October. Yeah, but it has shuffled to the second week. So I I think if you look at the first of December, I think that that's a date that probably is a little more. Um, dictatorial of what happens in the playoffs that said you know there's always that one team you know st louis in 2019 went on a huge tear after christmas the edmonton oilers went eight to 18 two and one their last 21 games last season uh and at one point they were out of, they were five points out of the playoffs around this time so there's always there are always outliers in, in those scenarios uh but it will be uh uh, it will be fascinating to watch between now and Christmas what this hockey club in Edmonton is able to do to change their fortunes. Today on the show, um, if there wasn't a... Uh, we always talk about Boston being the great American sports town, but the other one that really jumps out is Chicago. Uh, and there is so much happening in Chicago, both on the playing surface and off. What are the Chicago Bulls going to do? What the heck is going on with the Chicago Blackhawks and Corey Perry? 
the Bears actually won a game last night. So that <laughs> against an arch rival, and I mean Minnesota, who had been playing so well, you know, came up and did not do a very good job. And then the Cubs go and overpay for a manager. So there's tons to talk about in Chicago. We're going to do that with our friend George Offman on everything what's going on in 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 Chicagoland. It should be a, a an interesting discussion. Richard Deitch, John Shannon with George Offman from Chicago and the latest of what's going on. Oh, and we didn't even mention Patrick Kane has gone to the Detroit Red Wings. Another Chicago guy leaving right. the city and going to an arch rival too. The Chicago-Detroit rivalry in hockey used to be massive. It's not anymore, but to think that a former Blackhawks star is going to play for the Detroit Red Wings at one point is a fascinating story. So we will talk with George about that and uh, a ton of other stuff. Richard Deitch, John Shannon, the McCowan Podcast. Hi, this is Bob McCowan for BetRivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the BetRivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime. Plus, get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options. And get ready to feel like a VIP because you'll earn both loyalty level points and bonus store points on every real money wager you make. You must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge. BetRivers.com. Welcome back to the McCowan Podcast. Richard Deitch, John Shannon, joined by uh, an old primetime favorite from Chicago, Illinois, George Offman. So, George, I got it. I, I, you know, as soon as I woke up this morning and I read the news that Patrick Kane <laughs> is signing with the Detroit Red Wings of all teams, what, 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 what ran through your mind at that point? Alex DeBrinkett. <laughs> being reunited with a guy that he had a lot of chemistry with um the red wings are a team i don't know the arrow certainly pointing up the way they've been playing of late i don't know what he's going to be able to do at this stage of his career after having the the hip uh, surgery but you know it was like when he went to the rangers and he was reunited with the bread man that didn't work all that well but with Debrinket, that just might be the reason why he wants to sign with Detroit. And who knows? Yeah, I, Maybe he wants to stick I, I, to the Blackhawks. I was telling Richard in the previous segment, you know, there was a time that that Chicago-Detroit rivalry was one of the best in hockey. It doesn't exist anymore because they've changed conferences. Yes. But if any Blackhawk great ever went to Detroit, people in Chicago would have been apoplectic. Well, he wasn't coming back here, and everybody knew that. Um, they also knew that Jonathan Taves wasn't coming back here. And now they have Connor Bedard, albeit, you know, that they still have a, a team that's got a lot of holes to say the least, but look, Patrick Kane still thinks he's got some mileage left. He is a hall of famer for certain. Um, uh, and look, I mean, it's, he's trying to find work and the Red Wings say, you know what, we might be able to challenge, you know, the, 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 look at how close they are now after beating the Bruins a couple of times. So you know, hey, things happen other than the fact that when the Red Wings come to town, the fans still chant, Detroit sucks. 
All right, George, let's do, let's go big picture. You you are in one of the great sports cities in North America. Um, I grew up in New York. Um, I always admired Chicago because it always felt like the city had the same passion as like New York did when it came to sports in Philadelphia. So when you look at the Cubs, boy, the White Sox are a mess. Uh, the Blackhawks, the Bears. Um, like I know it's a it's hard for you to distill every Chicago sports fan, but like where where do you think the city sort of sits right now because it's kind of they're in a kind of a weird place in that um there's not a team you know they don't have like the eagles or the you know there's not a team in the market right now where it's like let's all revolve our energy around this team because they have a real chance to win there's no team like that now right well the cubs might be you know, it depends on the free agent market they're certainly in an otani but the question is does he want to come to chicago they're willing to pay uh, if they fill the right holes, then they're a team you can, you know, you can cheer for in a way. Yeah. But this is probably, it's not the worst year that I've been around. 1980 was the worst year. I mean, the Blackhawks were good that year and the other four teams were awful. Here, the White Sox are awful. The Bulls are awful. The Bears are awful. Uh, you know, the Cubs are, they have the arrow moving up. And the, in the case of the Blackhawks, Awful, yes, but, you know, they do have Connor Bedard. So the only team really other than the Blackhawks where fans are, you know, wanting to come out to see Bedard play will be the Cubs, depending on what their offseason is. Look, they went out and spent $40 million to get Craig Council as a manager. So obviously they're going to try to supply him with what they can get in the, the open market or in a trade. John, one follow-up and then I'll let you go because yeah, I know we want to get into Council. Does... um. Does the fandom in the city like bleed into University of Michigan? Like, do they adopt that team because they are obviously a team that can win a national championship, or is it just a little too far away? Notre Dame, it's Notre Dame, isn't it? Notre Dame, it, Northwestern. Yeah, it would be Notre Dame. Northwestern has almost no following. You know, if they're good, even this year, after all the controversy, you know, uh, Braun's probably going to be named, you know, the the Big Ten Coach of the Year, but you know, they're. College football isn't big here. College basketball isn't until the tournament. If Northwestern makes it, everybody, you know, says, okay, let's go. Yeah, football would be Notre Dame. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, you touched on Craig Council. How surprised were you when the name was revealed as the Cubs manager? Particularly, I think a lot of people thought that Ross did a pretty good job. Stunned, like everybody else, because everybody thought he was going to the Mets. Uh, it has happened so fast. Uh, look, he's he's considered one of the best managers in the game, albeit, uh, you know, they have trouble getting out of the first round of the playoffs. They, they're they a very good regular season team in the playoffs. They have failed. Then again, look at Major League Baseball, and you see, what, four straight years that you've got a, a wild card team, you know, winning the World Series or in the World Series. But it's a bold move. It's a bold stroke. Uh, was Ross good? Yeah, he was He was a good communicator. I, I think that what they saw was the same thing that Theo Epstein saw and, and Jed when they hired uh, Joe Madden. He was available. You know, he was there for the taking. And they said, you know what? We're going we're gonna to gamble on this guy because we think he can change the culture. And I think that's exactly, I don't know about culture so much. They just think that that uh, Council is one of the smartest guys in the game. Uh, again, you're going to have to surround him with the right players to, to, to win. 
But I, I think they looked at it and said, you know what? The iron's hot. This is an organization, remember, that had as managers, Dusty Baker, Lou Pinella, Joe Madden, and now Craig Council. They've been bold. And how much of a change do you think they'll be in the lineup? I mean, are they are they looking at major overhaul? Well, I wouldn't call it an overhaul. You know, they they won what eighty three games last year. They should have really made the playoffs. They they were a couple of games away. They faded down the stretch. Uh, will Bellinger sign here? I don't know. Uh, he's getting a a major league bad rap now for uh, uh, his velocity, uh, swing velocity. Um, Will Otani come here? They made a tremendous presentation to him in 2017. He was impressed, albeit there was no DH in the league. Now there's a universal DH. Depends on where he wants to go. Uh, otherwise, they can you know, go for Reese Hopkins, who's, a, again, another pillow contract. They probably need to get a, a number two or even number one starting pitcher uh, since Stroman is gone. Good, because they overpaid him. So... They're they're close, but it just depends on what uh, Hoyer can do in the offseason. He will be active. There's no question about it. They are willing to spend money again. Yeah, you know, I would love to see Otani there. Um, I just think it would be such a fascinating, I mean, uh, historic franchise, um, transcendent player. They can pay him. The one thing, and again, you know, obviously, I, I'm not a baseball reporter, so I, there's no um, inside knowledge. This is sort of just from 10,000 feet above. He 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 has always seemed to indicate to me, George, that he wants to play on the one of the coasts and most likely the West Coast. So I think just in terms of like kind of culture, um, geography, and living, I think they're a long shot, even if they offer the most money. I would love to see it, but I if I was the Cubs, I I wouldn't uh, bank on it. Do you um, you know, when we go across town, I, I don't. I mean, you see any light at the end of the tunnel for the White Sox? Well, it's a disaster. I, and, it, it, you know, you'd think it can't get worse. And then Jason Benetti bolts town. Yes. Detroit. The most popular White Sox leave. Extremely popular. And what happened was, you know, White Sox said, you know, we want you to do more games here and not honor your network contract. And he said, you know, get me out of this contract so I can go somewhere. Uh, yeah, Listen, I knew I talked to Jason Benetti several times. He was never going to stay put in one place that long, even if the White Sox treated him with royalty. You know, he's the type of guy to keep moving forward and forward. As far as the franchise goes, I mean, as as bad as the American League Central is, they should finish last next year. They have no pitching. They have players that they're probably going to trade. Dylan Cease, because he's got two years left before he becomes a free agent. And the White Sox are notorious, Jerry Reinsdorf is, in not paying pitchers long-term contracts. I understand that. I, I get that. Sometimes you have an exception. Uh, they have, uh, Yohan Moncada is the last year of a contract paying him $24 million. I mean, they need an overhaul again, again, after doing it once, in which Rick Khan did a fairly good job, but those players just didn't do what they were supposed to do there was a failure in that as well so it looks very very bleak the public relations is absolutely awful on the south side of chicago it's just brutal we should point out that jason benetti is the television play-by-play -play voice of the white Sox, or was um and jumped to the detroit tigers to great aplomb in detroit uh 
they 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 made that announcement and they uh, they did it over a three day period that made it sound like they were signing up, you know, their starting pitcher. So <laughs> the Tigers needed this a little bit of a, a bolstering that way as as well. So and he will do a good job. He's he's going to be alongside our buddy Ken Daniels, who's the voice of the Red Wings, and has been for so many years. So they're trying to do some new and different things and better things in Detroit at, at this point. Um, the other Jerry Reinsdorf team, uh, George, um, and we saw that we saw some frustration last week when DeMar DeRozan, who is very yeah. popular in Toronto, uh, came out after the game against the Raptors and was saying, admitted he was frustrated, admitted he was disappointed with what's going on with the Bulls. Wasn't there a time in the last 18 months that we, we thought that the Bulls were on the cusp of getting back to some rather uh, regular winning and this seems to have just fallen apart? I said when they made the trade for Vucevic that it was a major gamble to give up two first-round picks. But when they let, got Lonzo Ball, a guy who had been injured twice, okay, and already been with two teams, uh, was not a good three-point shooter. I said, this is a franchise that's good enough not to be good enough. Now, Ball started to prove everybody wrong. He started making three-pointers. They were leading the East, and then he went down with an injury that I knew not long after that he probably would never be able to play again. But the worst part of all of this is Arturis Karnistovich, who's the, the vice president, uh, you know, and, and he really picks out all these players, decided to stand pat this year with a team that didn't make the playoffs last year that everybody knew wasn't going to be good enough and now here they're off to a horrible start, and it's going to be who wants this guy and who wants this guy. Zach Levine still has four years left and a mega contract. They're going to find a way to trade him. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, probably by the trading deadline, will be gone. This is a franchise that made enormous mistakes, particularly a first-round pick that's been a bust in Williams. So the arrow is pointing way down. Yep, the Reinsdorfs are not batting a thousand in this city, probably like 0.50. The uh, you know, it's interesting. The the Raptors correctly get accused of being in sort of the worst place for a franchise, which, which is in the middle. You know, in this in the Raptors case, they're probably yes. good enough to be a play-in team, but they're not a championship team. Um, although, you know, it's a little hard for them to make some deals just given the ages of of um, Ananobi, the contract of Siakam. But the Bulls, George, really are in a worse spot because they're probably a tick below the Raptors, but they're not, they haven't bottomed out so that they're going to get the first or second or third pick. And I think if you're the Bulls and if you're Bulls fans, as hard as this is, I think your only option at this point is to just, is to blow it all up. Um, yeah. The smarter move, and again, this is totally Monday morning quarterbacking for me, would have been to blow it up last year. So you maybe take your shot at Wembenyama and maybe you get lucky and win the lottery. But they're they're in DeMar is uh is old. You can't build around him, even though he's still an effective player. You mentioned Zach, he's got that contract. They have to figure that out. And Ball, as great as he can be when he's healthy, you can't count on him being healthy. So the pillars of the team, everyone has a has an issue in terms of long-term building. So I think if you're the Bulls, and I, I hate it for the fans, I think you're going to have to go through one of these 22-win seasons and then hope you build through the drafting. And I just – I don't know what other – you know what I mean? It doesn't look to me that there's any other route other than bottoming, bottoming out. 
Richard, at this point, they could have a 22-win season. I know. Yeah. <laughs> They're really bad. I, I mean, they are it's just... The wrong, it's also the wrong year to be bad because it's not a great draft, it looks like, right. this year. And, and worse, I mean, when they put out their starting five, most of the games this year, they're down by 10 or 15 at the end of the first quarter. Those are the starters. The other night, they're up by 18 in the first quarter. I think they're the first team to ever be up by that many points in the first quarter and down by that many points in the third quarter. And they lost the game. There are a lot of firsts in this city, and most of them are bad. It's like the Bears last night. They're the first team in the NFL this year to win a game without scoring a touchdown. Oh, it's just it's really remarkable. We haven't, John. We should mention things. the Bears. We haven't even got. Oh them. no, yeah. Well, don't worry. There's lots of time. We can get to the Bears. <laughs> uh, the, the thing about it is, we we've started to see coaches being fired in hockey already. George, how, how does Billy Donovan keep his job? It's a good question. Um, you know, they gave him a contract extension. Uh, I I think the question here is not so much Billy Donovan, but Arturis Karnishevis. Mm-hmm. And how much longer will Michael Reinsdorf, who is the chairman of the team, is the son of Jerry Reinsdorf, allow this to continue? They need someone else now, I think, to determine who plays on this team. Yeah, Billy Donovan has done as much as he can, but they're not responding to him. Firing the coach at this stage, they're not going to get better. They're not going to suddenly become a team that wins eight or nine games in a row. But the real issue, and I've always said this, is the most important person in any organization is the general manager. Absolutely. He's the person who picks the players. Okay? If players don't perform, it's his fault. If he's got bad players, it's his fault. Well, Karnishev said, you know what? I'm going to throw the same group up this year. Guess what? They're bottoming out. All right, the Bears. The Bears. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anybody who watched last night's game like i said i think on social media pass me another drink uh in detroit that was a game they should have lost last night was a game they should have lost and won and and in, imagine the last two weeks they forced two quarterbacks to throw seven interceptions and they nearly lost both games it's the, the, the most important factor of last night's game was the offensive coordinator, Luke Pitsy, whose play calling was absolutely terrible. I mean, how many screen passes can you throw before the opposition says, guess what? They're going to throw another screen pass. They don't allow, and they should have, Justin Fields, to throw the ball deep. His longest pass last night was the most crucial pass, the 36-yard pass, near the end of the game to set up the game-winning field goal. Do you realize he has not thrown a 40-yard pass this year? The Bears have not thrown a 40-yard pass this year. Wow. Uh, the, the key here is Justin Fields. Are they going to keep him? I would suggest they will probably take that Carolina pick. How lucky can they be? Because they're going to get the first pick in the draft this year. They're going to draft one of the top quarterbacks. And around and around we go like a hamster in a cage. It's just the same over and over and over again. Interesting. So, so Fields hasn't showed Fields hasn't showed oh, no. you enough uh, to He's suggest that him. he can. I mean, like like that first half, that first half in Detroit on things it was was remarkable. It was a beautiful thing to watch. Well, but you know they controlled the clock that game and trailed at halftime. They controlled the clock last night, but they couldn't score a touchdown. And his biggest problem is in late in games. 
he has fumbleitis, and he did it twice yesterday. No, I, I, maybe he would be better suited in a different organization. I think he will be nothing more than slightly better than average, but I just don't think he's going to be that kind of quarterback here. If they if they unleashed him, maybe. But take a look at last night on the run. Now, Minnesota's got a pretty good defense. On the run, constant looking, 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 and not being able to find. Part of that is he just doesn't know when to pull the trigger. That's the biggest problem. I don't think he's going to be able to get over that. Yes, he's had a couple of good games against some bad defensive teams. But the bottom line is, I think the Bears, if they haven't determined it yet, they're soon to do so. And that is, they're going to have to draft a number one quarterback next year and hope that they, hope Fields can be good enough to trade him and get maybe a second round pick. Yeah, the, the it's very tough for them because, George, you've sort of nailed it. They have to make a decision in the next, whatever it is, seven weeks. That is, it is Justin Fields, our franchise quarterback. And if not, then you must draft a quarterback because you can't win in the league without one. So then their real evaluation is going to be, you know, what they think of the quarterbacks coming out. It's a good quarterback draft, depending on what you think of Caleb Williams or Drake May. Um, I actually like Fields. Um, I, I, I don't know if he's going to become a star quarterback in Chicago, but I do think there, I see things there that I like. But you may be right, George. It might, it just like sometimes the system or the coach or the franchise doesn't right. work. And the the most important thing in the NFL is you have to have a franchise quarterback. And I think in some ways that decision has probably already been made. I, I do think they're going to draft a quarterback. And then, like you said, you know, if Fields plays good, maybe you can get a second round pick for him. And, you know, as, as much as it like, it's a bit of a, um, you know, you lose a little capital because you obviously drafted him very, very high. Second round pick in the NFL is very, very valuable. That's a starter if you draft correctly, and that would not be a a terrible outcome. But man, it, it's uh, we see a lot of quarterbacks in the league who are like Justin Fields, who are like they're a little bit of better than average, but they're not Mahomes or Josh Allen and stuff. And you just you can never win unless you have these stars. That's a that's a that's a really good point, Richard. And I I, I almost wonder now, and I, I maybe it's unfair of me, but I I always wonder if there's a C.J. Stroud effect. Or everybody's saying, "Well, hold on, how come our our guy's not like that?" You know, and 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 I mean, Houston looks brilliant now in taking Stroud uh, same, compared same, uh, to what's happening in Charlotte. Too, guys the, don't you think, John? Some of that and yeah. George, I don't know. To me, I, don't you think some of that is system? Like, like the the reality is, like the there are. I've always believed this is in every sport that there are guys who would have been Hall of Famers if they were just drafted by a different franchise in the same way that there are players who are hall of famers that got lucky to be drafted into a certain franchise. So I feel like, you know, in some situations, like maybe the, the bears coaching staff just is not a good fit for Justin Fields. And maybe if he goes, I'm just making this up, right. If he goes to the Rams and plays for Sean McVay, he becomes a star. Well, look what happened to Jared Goff. Jared Goff's a good example of of that. I mean, he's got some stability and, in Detroit and has played much better rather than being with the Rams. Well, he's, he's played better until recently. And, you know, that's probably a concern for, for the lions, but you're absolutely right. Right. Richard, this is just, if you watch Luke Getzey, who everybody thought was the genius, you know, offensive coordinator, he, he's calling some really poor plays, you know, in the first quarter, he calls some good plays and then he starts to do you know, the screen passes last night and not allowing Here's the thing you want you want to see if Justin Fields 
can look quickly, throw, and throw deeper. They're not letting him do that. Yeah. So yes, part of it is coaching. There's no question. I think at the end of this year, no matter what the Bears' record is, I believe that Ibraflus, the head coach, and Lou Getze will be out. The question is whether Kevin Warren, who was in the locker room last night applauding all these guys, decides to pull the plug on the general manager as well. I don't know if that'll happen. Remember, they're going to get two high first-round picks next yeah. year. Theirs, uh, albeit I didn't think they could win in Detroit, and they should have. I didn't think they'd win in Minnesota, but boy, their quarterback was awful last night. And the Bears' defense, by the way, has been pretty good because of Eberflus. Yeah. Maybe they just demote him to defensive coordinator. But honestly, when you have to continue to go out and draft quarterbacks, you better make sure that the guy you draft is a C.J. Stroud type that can play right away and be successful. But it's a crapshoot. This is a, a, a strong draft class coming out. Yeah, You have to make sure you make the right choice. And honestly, and this is no offense to, to Ryan Poles, but the Bears have made wrong choices in the past. And this is not his quarterback. So it's going to be his chance to say, I'm taking the guy from Michigan, or I'm taking May, or I'm taking Caleb Williams, and we're going to go for it. Hey, you, you, you've, you've brought up a couple of times uh, across all the franchises we talked about, about you know the general manager and ownership being the key. When you look at the landscape in Chicago, who has the most stability in ownership? Who has the most stability in management across all of these, all of these iconic franchises? Well, I would say the Cubs. I mean, Jed Hoyer was... And, is, and then is anybody close? Well, again, it, it depends on what Hoyer does now. But, you know, Hoyer said, we're not going to do a rebuild. We, we're going to do a retool. And in fact, that's what he did. And if it wasn't for the collapse last year, you know, in September, when guys like Bellinger and their wonderful shortstop uh, just couldn't hit, they were on their way to the playoffs. Again, they've got to fill some major holes. If Bellinger doesn't come back, uh, Candelario's not coming back to third. They've got to fill third base, first base. Uh, they've got a young center fielder who people aren't patient with because he couldn't hit, you know, when he came up. But, you know, patience, because when Robin Ventura first came up with the White Sox, he went over 42. How did he right. do, by the way? So, you know, they are, excuse me, that's it. I don't see that in the Bears. I don't see it in the Bulls. I don't see it in the White Sox. The Blackhawks are another story because they're going to have to come up with, you know, they're going to have another bad year and another, you know, yeah. high draft pick. That's a franchise I think we all know is in big trouble again. Well, let me ask you this. I, I don't want to turn this into TMZ, <laughs> but it's going to. Um, you know, the Connor Bedard has played his role in, in doing what he could on the ice, but what the heck is happening with Corey Perry? Anybody know? Honestly, does anybody know? I don't know if anybody knows, but the tawdry rumors that have been coming out. I, almost of the last don't, I almost don't want to talk about them. They're so no, but but I what I'm saying is that's not good for an organization that already went through that. And the only difference, or the only the only thing that's the same is the name words. Danny is the president. They rehaul this entire organization. And the more time you spend not being upfront about Corey Perry, 
especially which with what has taken place in social media over the last 24 hours, the worse it gets, okay? The much worse it gets. The blame now is being pointed again at the Blackhawks. You've been there before, you're going through it again. What's with Corey Perry? Open up, let us know. And if it has nothing to do with hockey or the club, is it anyone's business? And if, and if well, it is, and I, and I asked this, uh, you know, as a hypothetical, what could they say in order to avoid that issue? Avoid what's first, going on? First of all, you come out and say you address the rumors and you say none of the rumors are true. Right. Period. And that, and that situation now, it's looking terrible for them. Okay, because it wasn't just one rumor last night. There were a couple of them. Come out and say that. Then you have to say it's a it's a legal situation. It's a situation we cannot discuss, but we are going to tell you it has nothing to do with these rumors. You've got to be much more transparent than they were. This has been going on now for, what, a couple of weeks? That's too long. Yeah. It is uh, one of those, it's one of those ones that, um... I mean, it's almost it, it, it's untenable and has grown. It's grown its own life now, George, hasn't it? I mean, it is just it's out of control. It is out of control. But you know why it's out of control? Because the Blackhawks let it go out of control. Been there, done that, and you're doing it again. One of the reasons we have George Offman on is not only is he our uh, our conduit to everything Chicago, but George has written the book. Um, it's Christmas time good time to buy books we sell books in canada <laughs> um and uh we're going to talk to george about his book and the people he has talked to and some of the stories inside what he has uh, uncovered in those when the mccallan podcast continues after this welcome back to the mccallan podcast uh, george offman from chicago with richard and me and just like the rest of us you know deitch has written a book do your plug richard go no, this is George. I don't need to plug. This is George. No, you plug your, this, I'm going to plug mine too. So plug your book first. All right, well, I, I wish I could have hold it up, but it's the, uh, I uh, edited the year's best sports writing 2023, which is a, a, a very famous anthology that that's come out for many, many years, which features the best sports writing in North America in a calendar year. And uh, you can get that on Amazon. Now some brilliant writers and a mediocre editor. So that is my uh, pitch to you. And George Offman has written a book. George, hold it up. All right, here we are. This yeah. is Tell Me a Story. I don't know, Conversations with Chicago Sports Legends, which is about my podcast. Tell right. Me a Story, I don't know, which has now been going on for three years and currently featuring one of the great inspirations for my career, Brent Musburger. Um, there are, I can tell you, there's at least one Canadian in this book, Bill Wennington. Of course, yeah. as you guys knew, grew up in Montreal, and he's now the analyst on, on Bulls Radio with Chuck Swirsky, who, of course, was the voice of the Toronto Raptors. And he tells a great story about, you know, when he was growing up in Montreal, of course, he played hockey, until the point came when they couldn't fit him with a skate because his feet were too big. And so he took up basketball. Yeah. It's a great story. Uh, all these people in this book, including people like Bob Costas, uh, Mike Greenberg, uh, who I'm sure all Canadians know, 
Uh, Greeny actually wrote the foreword to the book, and he says I was the first person that he worked with professionally, which is true back in 1989. Michael Wilbon, Sarah Kustak, you name them. And what it is, it's a compilation of 50 vignettes, uh, little stories from each one of their podcasts that I write around. And it's, yes, it is a great Christmas gift, uh, great stocking stuffer. Uh, and I think very alluring because there's a lot of personalities in here, including, as I said, Chuck Swirsky, the, the voice of the Bulls and the former voice of the Toronto Raptors. Let me ask you this. Is there is there a uh, a list of caricatures or elements uh, that make uh, Chicago media people uh, attractive to a national market? Is there something in the DNA of being and understanding what Chicago is that becomes important when they go to the national stage. And to me, the guy that jumps out more than anybody, you talked about Musburger, is Michael Wilbach. Well, I mean, Michael is a, uh, interesting, he's a South Sider who's a Cubs fan. I mean, he grew up here and he still bleeds Chicago. He always talks about it. He, uh, and obviously has got a lot of criticisms of Chicago sports these days. Um, and Michael's been tremendously successful uh, in, uh, pardon the interruption, he was the first interview that I that we put out in January of, of 2021. But all these people who have connections to Chicago, you know, like Bob Costas, who you say, well, what's connection? How about let's let's go with the last one, the last dance? You know, he was the play-by-play announcer. The very uh, he did 19 Road Bulls games in 1979-80. This is before he went to NBC. The first wow. Super Bowl that he did, which was the pregame, the halftime, postgame, was Super Bowl twenty when the Bears won the Super Bowl. He's been very much part of Chicago. Greg Gumbel is in this book. Greg Gumbel grew up in Chicago, along with his brother, Bryant Gumbel, uh, worked television here in 1973. He's still going strong. And how old is he now? 77? So all of these people who have these connections to Chicago um, – and who are national figures, and Jason Benetti is one of them, and he's one of the more profound interviews that I did, they're all very alluring. And like I said, a lot of Canadians will probably know almost all of these people because they have some kind of national, you know, uh, the correlation uh, of, of being kind of nationwide popular people. But more than that, it's not just broadcast people here as well. You know, Wayne Mesmer is in this book. I think people know who Wayne Mesmer is from the national anthem. And even going back to 1991 during the All-Star game here in Chicago. And, and Wayne is still a, a very popular figure here in Chicago. So the book is the book's a lot of fun, to say the least. Wayne, I, I, I'll tell you my Wayne Mesmer story. So I'm producing the hockey in the 91 of the All-Star game as the Gulf War is the beginning. Yeah. First Gulf War. Um, I'm doing it for NBC. And NBC had a policy of not carrying anthems. NBC did not carry anthems for any sport. Yeah. And NBC's doing the the actual All-Star game. And the night before at the uh, All-Star Skills, um, we're doing the on the cable side uh, for the skills competition. And, of course, we need content. So we're running everything and we're running the anthem. And... Wayne Mesmer sings the Star Spangled Banner, as every hockey fan in Canada knows, for years and years and years, you have to you have to be in your seat, even in front of the television, to listen to the Star Spangled Banner at Chicago Stadium, because it is electric. 
The fans are electric. Mesmer understands that moment. It's not him anymore, but you know the, the people that they have replaced him with understand that. And so on the uh, on the skills night, we run the anthem in, and people are crying, and the sparklers are going, and that giant banners in the in the corner of the ice, and it is magnificent. And you can hear five sets, five sets of of. Uh, of steps, people running up the steps to our TV mobile, and it is five NBC executives saying they don't care that we're on the air. They don't. They, they have no. They have no clue that we're on the air. They're saying we're running the anthem tomorrow, and that's how quickly it changed because of Wayne Mesmer's dramatic singing of the anthem during that Gulf War. I asked them the question: Do you think it's the most dramatic uh, national anthem ever sung at a sporting event? He said, "I think so." And Whitney really, Houston and Whitney Houston and Wayne Mesmer. Now that's quite a combo, but not sure. What it's an amazing, it's an amazing combo. Yeah. So that all these people in the book have some kind of uh, uh, distinction where I think a lot of people will understand, even if they are Chicagoans. I mean, they're people from the Super Bowl Bears. You know, people like Dan Hampton uh, in this book that. There, there might be that understanding of who they are. So, and, and you can get the book, by the way, on Amazon Books. I know that the, you sell books in Canada, and people <laughs> read books in Canada. I know that. They better read Amazon, books. Yeah, .ca. One thing about just Chicago that uh, is very true, when it, whether it's New York or Los Angeles or other, or other major cities, and this gets to the broadcasting people you mentioned, um, there's an outsized impact when those teams win just because of population base and size. And if you're covering those teams, um, so let's see, you know, in the case of obviously Bob Costas, who did all those Bulls games or, you know, uh, Marv Albert, who I think was essentially the voice of the Bulls soundtrack. Like you become more national. I think even if you, I know Marv is not the great example, but if you are a local person, when one of these teams wins a championship in one of these very significant cities, you, in many ways, you do become a national figure. And then obviously with Greenberg and Wilbon, they joined ESPN at a time when ESPN was really mighty and powerful and in 100 million plus homes. Yeah. And you're just, you know, you're in many ways just the the background for so many people's sporting lives. You go into a bar. It's a little less today in America than it was. But if you went to a bar in like 2002 – like ESPN's on in the background, even if there's no sound, like you're seeing Michael Wilbon's face or Mike Greenberg's face, right? Or Stephen A. Smith's face. And so you can't, I, I guess I just finish up and say, like they really are outsized figures uh, because of all this, um, just because they were part of this massive media machine. It's was not there anybody bigger too. than Harry Carey? Come on, was there anybody right. bigger than or that but, a pre, but he was a pre, but he's as big as Harry Carey was, and even George would admit this. That's a guy. That's a pre-internet figure still. Yes. Right? It's different. Right. But but the other thing too is it's it's the franchises. Remember the Bulls won six titles in eight years. They had Michael right. Jordan. The Blackhawks were the most popular team in the NHL. They won three titles in six years. Yep. You know they were they were they were a star-studded team that everybody wanted to see. And the Cubs World Series victory. Oh yeah, the, they were good the most watched. It's the most watched World Series in the last twenty-five years. So right. So, so that where you have Pat Hughes in the book, he's the voice of the Cubs radio. People probably know who Pat Hughes is from that. So yes, it makes a very big difference that if you have that kind of success, that transcends 
all over the world, in, in the case of uh, the Bulls, yes, then people from those franchises become very popular. And if you're lucky enough to interview them and they're, you know, they're on the podcast, they're in the book. Yep. And there is something about a, a Chicago sports fan. There is, there is, some, there is a, you know, I mean, we, we've seen that we, we've seen it being mocked and, and, and talked about and George went did his the bears on Saturday night live. But there is something something magical about being a sports fan in Chicago, isn't there? Well, yeah, and probably because we have two baseball teams. So that's more so, more so than the football team. Well, the Bears are probably the number one team in town, and the Cubs are number two. But the Bears have been lately perennial losers, and you can't just keep sitting on 1986 when they won the Super Bowl. That's a long time. That's a generation ago, if not two generations ago. But there is this south side, north side thing with the Cubs and the White Sox. It's also a city that's not really big on college sports, right. albeit when Loyola made the Final Four, the place that the city went crazy. It's also a city of when Bob Verde once wrote lean trophy cases. That's not been the case of recent. You know, there was the Bulls, the Blackhawks, the Cubs finally won a World Series, the White Sox finally won a World Series. But we're back down to the old days where the teams aren't all that good. Yeah. That's, hey, what's, uh, what's going on with the stadium for the Bears? Well, they still haven't, you know, they've torn down Arlington Park. The Bears own that land plot, but they still haven't been able to pass uh, the legislation and get past the people of Arlington Heights to build the stadium there. So that's been dragging on and on. There are other municipalities that are offering their sites to the Bears, but in the end, I think that they will wind up building that stadium in Arlington Heights, even though the city has tried to say, you know what, we'll put a dome around that ugly thing on the Lakeshore Drive, uh, you know, called Soldier Field. Enough already. We're, we're paying for that monstrosity through the noses here in taxes. So uh, eventually, I think they'll they'll come to that. And does it really matter where they where they build it? No, people will go out to the suburbs to see them. They'll do that. It's not like you're going to a baseball game in that in that sense that there's a hundred or eighty one games. There's what nine home games and a couple of preseason games. Yeah, they'll do that. I think fans have had enough of Soldier Field. Then again, they probably had enough of the Bears too. <laughs> Come on, it's the Bears. I know. It's the Bears. <laughs> I mean, the, the ghost of Mike Ditka will come out and be there somewhere and everybody will be happy. Well, that's why now there's the thought process of would the Bears hire Jim Harbaugh, who probably wants to come back to the NFL because he's definitely going to be leaving Michigan. And the last time the Bears had a, you know, a, a coach with that kind of personality was Mike Ditka. It's kind of like the way the Lions are now. Their general manager reminds me of Jim Finks, who built that that championship caliber team back in the 80s for the Bears. And their coach is kind of like Mike Ditka. You know, he's a rah-rah guy, and they're starting to win in Detroit. At least they're, they're showing that, that sign. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I doubt Harbaugh will come here. I doubt the Bears will sign him. But that rumor will continue over and over again until, until they wind up getting whatever coach it is. All right. What's the name of the book again? The name of the book is Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, Conversations with Chicago Sports Legends. It's available on Amazon Books, and I would be remiss if I did not say to you, Bob McCowan, please come back soon. We miss you greatly. Ditto. Thank you, George. Thank you, guys.
George Hoffman in Chicago. Richard and I'll be back after this. So, Richard, we now understand the lament of sports fans in Chicago, and I I, I say that in earnest uh, because I I just wanted Raptor fans to understand that they're they're not the only ones that are miserable. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, there, I will say, I mean, I I you know I probably have a big city bias because I've lived most of my life in big cities. Although I did live in Buffalo for six years, there is something about sports fans in a big city, John. Um, it's yeah. just their passion. Um, they're spoiled in many ways by having those many choices, but, uh, Chicago is a great town and it's been, um, it's been a bit of a bearish run over the last, uh, couple of years. And if you're going to be objective as George was, there's not really much bright lights coming in the next, no. unless the Cubs really turn around, it's, it's going to be, it's going to, it's still, it's going to be dark in Chicago still for a little bit. Well, and the, and the sad thing is, is that, you know, the Blackhawks were a bright light. They were. And the, 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 the shadow that has been cast by what happened to Kyle Beach has destroyed all of that glory. It yeah, really it has. It, it, and, it has for a lo- and it has for a long, and it will for a long period of time. I agree. And, and the, the, the Blackhawks deserve all the criticism um, coming their way. The one thing that they do have, John, though, is they have what looks like a transcendent, you know, franchise type of player. Mm-hmm. And, and and that is something that you can build around. And if management does it right, they will be good again. I mean, I think it's very clear Connor Bedard is is really, he is the real thing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you're a Blackhawks fan, you have hope, but um that that franchise, like I said, they deserve all the all the criticism they they've gotten um for multiple instances of doing the wrong thing yeah and and as george talked about there has to be some level of transparency even today i agree what's going on with Corey perry yeah unfortunately um we live in a world now where you're probably smarter as an organization to address things that may turn out to be rumors or horrible things you just you have to be it's it's you have to be proactive as as much as it sucks to react to false news or rumors. I think, John, you just, I think organizationally in a social media age, you're smarter, in my opinion, who's who's to say if I'm right or wrong, but you're smarter to get ahead of it than behind it. I actually think that that has been true before social media. You're be probably proactive, right. Be proactive, be transparent, create a relationship with your fan base. You can't lose by doing that. You usually can't lose by that. Hey, we got to go. We'll talk basketball tomorrow with our pal Doug Smith and the roller coaster that is the Toronto Raptors. For Richard Deitch, John Shannon, this is the McCowan Podcast.